Harpo the Healer and welcome to the fourth podcast in the Harping with Harpo series. It's great that you've decided to stop by and listen. RJ and I continue in a similar vein on the blues harmonica and blues harmonica genre with a slight variation to the last pod. Here we first talk about the aspects of sound with regard to the blues harmonica. We then continue somewhat onto harmonica amplified equipment but in very basic general terms to maintain interest and not bore all our listeners to death. We then talk briefly on the great bluesman Howlin' Wolf, of which Harpo the Healer has done some YouTube videos, and so you can look those up. We point out Howlin' Wolf's significance and influence on certain styles of music that may not be apparent. As mentioned before, RJ is a student of mine, developing his heart playing, who's happy to share his thoughts on blues harmonica while learning the instrument. And these discussions aim to be informative, interesting, entertaining, and who knows, they may even encourage a podcaster out there to take up the blues harmonica. So, this recording was made on the 11th of November, 2020 with RJ. These are long distance recordings of our discussions via internet technology. And we decided to start by reading out a few letters to the editor picked at random from our huge mailbag. Hey, how's it going, RJ, today? Yeah, it's fine, Harpo. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, fine. Well, we're going to do something slightly different today. We're going to start off by um, having a look at the mailbag, which is always, well, it's incredible. It's absolutely jam-packed full, but we've uh, managed to pull a couple of lucky winners out to, to read out their uh, problems and situations. And if you'd like to kick us off with the... Uh, with the first one, RJ. Yeah, okay then. Well, here's the first one. It says, uh, Dear Mr. Harpo, do you worry you might forget your lines or what to play on stage? You know, dry up a bit, get a bit of stage fright. This is a uh, signed Mr. Worried about drying up on stage. Okay, and what's the, what's the answer to that? Well, you know, I, I think when we've discussed these things in the past, the whole idea of being able to play the harp and learning the harp isn't about learning specific lines and phrases that you just play in in sequence you're it's all about feeling the music and playing as you go and understanding that it's a flow you're trying to create a flow to the music yeah. that you're playing with so you don't necessarily you shouldn't so in that sense you shouldn't worry and if you worry you'll be more relaxed if you don't worry you'll be more relaxed sure. and yeah. that should help you start avoid uh, drawing up on stage okay well, that's, that's an interesting one I've got one here, dear Harpo. Uh, every time I play harp for more than five minutes, my kids complain. What should I do? And that was from, um, and Harpo's reply is, get rid of the kids. By uh, Mr. Jonathan Clutterbuck, uh, first cousin, second time removed of, of RJ. So that's uh, incredible. Oh, distant, right, distant, yeah. Distant, yeah. So, uh, um, another one? So I've got the other one. Yeah, well, this is an interesting one from a guy called uh, Muddy, Muddy W. I don't know. Uh, is it possible to work out work out the blues by yourself? 
do you need to have blues lessons or is it something that you can just learn or, or pick mm -hmm. up as you go along mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, an interesting it's an interesting question it's an interesting question because we're all on this journey great journey learning as we go you don't have to pick it all up from books it's but it's a bit like to be perfectly honest it's just like the the chess player isn't it they can they work mm. so far but they need to be coached at some stage i think that's, that's it, it yeah you know yeah um, that's, that's right yeah i had oh, a, i had a, a, a phrase that's uh words of wisdom from someone called alberta hunter the musicians that didn't know music could play the best blues I know that I don't, don't want no musicians who know all about music playing for me. So that's an interesting take on mm. the ability of some of the great blues players. They didn't actually know what they were actually theoretically playing, but they just no, knew what to that's play. That's right, yeah. Um, Miles, they Miles, felt it. Yeah, the great Miles Davis once said that some of his musicians, and he had some fantastic readers mm. and improvisers, and he one of his, say, I think, sayings was that... Uh, some of my uh, my musicians never did read too good. <laughs> and I think that was a kind of a, a sort of in context with what you're saying there about the um, musicianship. Yeah. It's about musicianship, not necessarily yeah. about um, you know certain things. Yeah, I've got one last one here. Where is it? Yes, uh, dear Harpo took delivery yesterday of my first blues harp. Never realised how big it was. Came in a removal van and has lots of string. Wife has <laughs> gone and left me for good. Please advise yours, Egon Blewett. And, um, and the reply says, Harpo, well, mistakes are good for creativity. You search for one thing and you can find something else, in your case, much better. So good luck with all that and the harping and your solitary life. Well, I actually well believe done. that is, yeah, I actually believe it. Very gratifying, I'm sure. And it shows that in our mailbag that we are really helping these people along mm. with their quest for a fuller, and more an enlightened life. I think. It's always good to talk. It's always good to talk, I think. It is, yes. And uh, so Mr. Blewett, I hope he's uh, going to be quite difficult for him. How the hell he's going to get the thing through the front door, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so I'm sure he will, he will find a way. Yeah. The first subject we're going to get on to today is uh, we're going to talk about, uh, for all the listeners out there, is we're going to talk about harmonica sound and sound in general in music, or, but basically harmonica sound. So... I suppose my question to you, RJ, is that when you when you hear the harmonica played, uh, what I think I've asked you this in one of our first podcasts actually about the sound. Um, but what uh, what sort of springs to mind with the harmonica sound, or what do you what do you what do you uh, what do you like about it, or what you don't like about it? Because uh, harmonica mm. can be played a lot of different ways, can't it? Yeah, that's right, um, Harpo. Uh, but, you know, the two obvious sound types that you could sort of uh, look at uh, is obviously the acoustic playing, which is just, yeah. uh, to my mind, it's a bit like uh, from an artist, it's the, it's the drawing, it's the stage that's just drawing. And we have to just work fundamentally with the basic tools yeah. and put across your ideas. You can work out, work a lot of different tones and ideas with just the acoustic harp playing and then generally beyond that you get into the sort of amplified heart harmonica sound which is really quite a lot of it is based on the drawing or, or the pet or the um, acoustic playing so if you can get a good acoustic sound the harp mm. uh, being amplified should should work but there are different techniques when it comes to amplifying the sound that obviously yeah. you have to be aware of you see my my technique on the harmonica sound obviously i've come from a 
I've been a saxophonist all my life. But from the saxophone point of view, you have to have the sound in your head, and 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 the harmonica's really no uh, no different. It's you know, and and to get sort of the acoustic side, and and miking up is very different, but. We, we talk about centering the sound and you say, why does somebody learning the instrument want to, why are you trying to center the sound? The idea is if you center the sound, uh, you're not pushing too hard, not pushing too light, then you've got width in the sound. And that's a really important thing because once you've got width in the sound, you can do an awful lot more with it. And um, one of the reasons for that is you can then, if someone's walking into a club to hear somebody play before they've actually seen the band, they will hear a certain instrument. But depending on what they're thinking in their head at that time, if the musician has centered the sound, then that's the sound they hear. So what they're actually hearing on the harmonica, they might be hearing what they think is a trumpet being played or a piano. They're not quite sure until they actually go in the room and see the, the person actually playing. And so their imagination sends them down different tracks. And... Um, Sort of an idea to uh, to sort of reinforce that um, was, uh, and it's to do with sound. Is many years ago, I think it was ninety six, ninety seven, or ninety eight. One of those years, I know this because for his mother, I actually did a jazz gig for his for his mum at a big restaurant. But I met this guy uh, about around this time, and he had a small basement record shop, and it was at the time when. CDs had gone mad. Everybody was on CDs. Vinyl was being chucked out the window at that kind of time. Well, he had a, a vinyl shop, and what he was doing, he was selling these expensive Lindex and putting out, putting installations in. He was a great character, fantastic character. And I was in there one day in his in his place, looking at some vinyl and chatting, and he, he, he get unbelievable sound. And then he takes a phone call and says, "Can you just turn this down?" And he goes. And he says, it's from the States or Canada, so can you be quiet? You know, so our friend's over the pond there, and he, he rings up and he goes, yes, yes, I can get that off you tomorrow. He says, uh, business is so good. He says, I am inundated with customers. You cannot move in my shop. And as I speak, there are several Ferraris outside on my forecourt. Now, I was the only one that was in his shop at that time, and I'm looking around like this, and... Out, and he was basically a small basement in a camera shop where he had his operations. And outside was a small robe with a couple of like Heath Robinson big sort of awnings. And that was kind of it. But anyway, he was, he was a really larger than life character, brilliant chap. And when he finished and put this, he oh, okay. I went, sort of moved over to one of these nice um, couches that he had displaced by the records. And he, he put something on the turntable, on one of his turntables. And... When I heard it, the sound, I thought I was hearing two trumpets and possibly one saxophone, maybe two, in harmony played together. But actually, when I turned around and focused properly, what I was actually listening to was the electrified sound of Little Walter. And that was yeah. a really big thing of a guy centering his sound because he had a Lindek cranked up, brilliant brilliant acoustics analog signal and for the first time i absolutely was down the wrong track in my in my because my mind was somewhere else so mm -hmm. this business of centering the sound 
is mm. kind of so important, not just for the the musician, but for the for, for the listener, so that they, you know. So that was my sort of introduction to really, really hearing. And of course, I've you know I've, been, I've played harp for a while and, and done things, but I hadn't heard it like that. And it was it was just yeah. like being it was just like being there, and you know, and that was a big sort of revelation for me. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of these the world we live in now we've gone down this digital route haven't we and do you think that's taken a lot from the analog the previous analog world we were in and the frequencies have been lost yes i think generally yeah I, I think so and i think sometimes when you uh, when the cds are, the engineer takes all the the spill out of the air and takes all these little ambiences out of the air and when you record blues or jazz really you want to re- hopefully be recording in a in a sort of a circle, mm. usually mics overhead or draped over the front of the cabs of the amps and, and, and just played all at the same time. Mm. The, difficulty, the difficulty is because if someone makes a mistake, you've got to start again. But, but mm. to, to actually uh, to get that analog signal uh, and, as you say, put onto vinyl. And I mm. think that back in the old days, I think when guys were trying to lift stuff off records, it was much easier much easier mm. to take from a turntable off that analog signal than it is from a CD where it's crystal clear, but all those, the spill and the ambience of the room yeah. is taken out. And so it's mm. crystal clear, but you're kind of not hearing it as easy as you would do if you put it on the turntable. Yeah. It's actually yeah. easier to hear the sound. So mm. I think that's, you know, and I think nowadays it's had a bit of a revival, hasn't it? sort of um, yeah, yeah vinyl, uh, vinyl has yeah but interestingly another aspect of this which i think is quite interesting for the context of blues is that when the guys that were playing harmonica that you talk about um we talk about little water um james cotton when they were starting out using this equipment they were using these guitar amps um, which were well, obviously designed yes. for guitars and then they introduced these sounds that they mm weren't meant to be played on these bits of equipment it's a bit like blues itself it's not really it was the harmonica was never designed for blues but it got made into it, it it's yeah. form yeah. was forced into this uh sound of creating the sound and likewise with the amp situation when they used the amplifiers they were using um microphones that weren't compatible necessarily with the amp or they were compatible with the amp but you get this really distorted um almost muffled gritty dirty sound which actually has become part of the sound that's the it has. sound that people it want has. to hear and it's interesting now that you've we've got these like two categories you've got this like acoustic playing on harmonica which means that if you play through a vocal mic it's still called acoustic playing you yeah. are actually going through a microphone through a pa system but mm. it, it's it's called in the business you know acoustic playing and of course yeah. mic top harmonica is when you cup it in your hands with yeah. a microphone and then as you quite rightly say get that sort of various forms of distortion which yeah. i guess when it very first happened was as you say you know by accident you know mm, um, mm, but it mm. became very appealing and then mm. of course with sound um then you say so all our listeners are saying oh right then okay i've got a harmonic i want to mic it up and which way do i go some people like to go acoustic and some people like to go electrified well mm. the acoustic is fairly straight ahead you can just go straight onto the vocal mic but of mm. course we hit this ridiculous minefield now of where we have sort of uh, putting 
a microphone through a small amplifier and that's where we have the the situation of do we have a, a normal solid state transistor amp or do people or you hear all these harmonica players go on about the valve amp because of course the valve amp yeah. is supposed to be the best thing that ever happens yeah if, yeah if you want that analog type sound yeah to some but extent of, yeah but of course then you say to yourself well i know some listeners will say well what's the difference and i say well the main thing really without going technical is that the the valve amp will have ordered harmonics and by and large the solid state one won't always have it'll have slightly uneven harmonics so with some solid state amps you might sound a little harsh whereas you won't do that on the tube amp mm. so there's a, there's an advantage of the tube amp but the disadvantage of course is that you've got to cart these tubes around be careful there's another advantage of the tube amp is that um, you can replace the tubes for lower gain tubes so that it won't feed back yeah, that, that's, yeah. a, that's another advantage but the main difference i mean i i'm using solid state stuff that i did have a a valve amp some years ago it was a chinese made one actually um and it uh, it was horrendous actually when you used to switch it on the wallpaper used to fall off the walls when you cranked it up it's sort of it's the bang back of this very bad it's only 15 watt but little thing but um, yeah yeah but but yes you're right these small amps and and um, Mm -hmm. what we need to do to get that sound is you put the microphone through a a small very small guitar amp style thing but of course the mic that you use has to be right for that purpose yeah, it's quite it's tricky because I've sort of experimented with these things, and again, without getting too technical, you can, if you understand a little bit about it, it may, that that can be a good thing. But uh, I think you still need to experiment with it. Generally, it's like all these things. Absolutely, get yeah. the sound to get the sound that you're looking, thinking of in your head, or you hear on the mu- on the music we listen to. That's one thing, but actually to recreate it and then try and record it, it's it's uh, it's another yeah. world. Yeah, and I think um, and I think there's enough on Google now. You can Google yeah. how these things work if you're that way inclined. But the the main theory really is that you need what we call a high Z mic to go through the little amps, um, uh, and you can't put that same microphone through a PA system because it won't be compatible. You'll have to have some form of converter. But that's the main thing. And if you're not too sure about these things, then just use vocal mic and go through the normal PA system. Uh, so, you know, that's very, very basic. So you don't want to really go into too much detail on that. But, uh, of course, then the, the, electrified, the electrified way going through the little amp, that's what's going to create the distortion. If you want the clean sound, then... Yeah. Um, maybe go another way i think that's the the main difference yeah that's right yeah yeah i would have said that and um and basically the the uh for guys that don't know i'm sure a lot of guys will that are listening to this but it might be of interest to them that basically with a mic you're taking sound energy and turning it into electrical energy and with a speaker it's completely the reverse it's electrical energy converting it to sound energy but they both are identical in the way that they they're set up really it's just that it's just a reverse of the other one so one can act as the other you know yeah yeah and then of course uh, the mics themselves well that's another minefield of course isn't it yeah yeah you do see people using as you say high impedance microphones yeah 
so there's a few of them on the market, the high impedance ones. Um, yeah. You get the low impedance ones as well, which you, you can still work with. It depends on the kind of sound you're after. It's experimenting. I think at the end of the day, if you can experiment, try these different things out and see what they will do, how they will sound, because it's, it's so many, it's so different from just playing acoustically mm. when you're working with an actual amplified situation, if you're trying to do it, you just have to sit and work through, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the, just, uh, the the guys from the old days, I mean, or, or people say if you can get your hands on a, what the old bullet 520s or 520Ds, they were the, they were the great elements to have in those type of microphones. Then the the industry standards like a, a DX, uh, these are all sure what they call bullet mics with like a car headlight on them, because they yeah. um, in the old yeah. days they were the, the cheap things that they bought by accident. Cheap, yeah, yeah. cheap, yeah. yeah. Whereas um, yeah, see, that's the and key I've, thing. And I've used um, and I know you've got one the the bottle of blues microphone that I used for a number of years, and that was very very good indeed. Yeah. I, I, I it's not perhaps what everybody thought would be ideal, but it worked for me and I thought it was great. Mm. And then um, recently... The good, the good thing I like about them is they got a bit of volume control. Yeah, like volume control, these microphones you're talking about, which yeah. is good, because that volume control can really help if you're on stage. Absolutely. Where you can kind of have it turned down, so you'd have to keep going over to your amp. You can turn it down, and when you're ready, you can flick it back up. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the good things about these these high impedance ones you're talking about, the bullet ones and the bottle of blues. You've got another one, haven't you? You've got another... Um, I've got this silver new fish silver, fish, silver bullet thing mm. that I got um, mm. off the guy in, in, in British made, and it's, it's very good. I'm, I'm kind of one of these guys, as you know, that I, I'll get a piece of equipment and then I won't search out things. Um, like in the saxophone world, for example, you get people who um, will spend their whole lives keep changing mouthpieces and equipment because they, they're searching, searching, searching for a sound and they're never, never, ever comfortable. You're never comfortable, you're always searching. There was an old joke that um, there's a certain type of mouthpiece that saxophone players used to have called the Otto Link. And there used to be a joke, uh, I don't know if it still applies, where there's a guy walking around Paris, London or New York in a long duster coat and a fair hat looking to try and uh, you know, looking for the meaning of life with a saxophone on his shoulder, looking for the missing link. The missing link of the mouthpiece. So there was a there was a standard kind of joke. So some people in the harmonica world are constantly looking for more mics, more this, more that. Whereas I get one piece of equipment, if I'm fairly okay with it, then I'll work with that and see where it takes me, you know. Um, yeah. the, these silver bullet ones yeah. that, the, that the guy does... Uh, they're very good. Bit more, bit more live sounding than the uh, than the bottle of blues. But of course, mm. I'm using very miniature equipment to go through on the tube with. So I'm not using using like three watt amp through a little pinhole camera thing. It's not. There's no no fancy um, rig at all. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. It's raw. It's raw. It's what what you hear. What is what you get. Sort of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. No, it's excellent. That's good. Because I, I think, you know, when you listen to, it's in the ethos, it's in the style of these old blues harmonica players or blues guys. They would just work with what they had back then, back in the day, absolute, you know, 60, yeah. 70 years ago. They'd be angling, they'd be throwing wires out from buildings with a little amp on the, to get the amp, amp uh, plugged in. 
and they'd be playing on the street, you know, keeping it really, you know, really raw and real, keeping it real. Yeah. And the thing that I've always used, I've always found that the, the best type of, when you're into harmonic, if you want to amplify it, is the only thing I'd use is, a, is if at all, a delay pedal. You want a little bit delay, you want a little bit of sustain. Reverb, yeah. really can work but it tends to sound like you're in a toilet or a or a sort of very sort of swimming pool where the, yeah. the delay is the ideal if you can get a delay pedal uh, yeah. you know the the dd6 behringer's good it's industry standard for the, for the the guys that we we can't afford too much or if you if you've got a bit more the boss industry standard one is is good and Kind of, that's about it. Or if you've got an, an amp with a delay built in, as these little black yeah. star mini ones, and you, then that's that's a good thing. But that's kind of, I think, all you need, and then just work with your sound. Some people have great yeah. big pe pedal boards full of stuff, but I'm not really into that. I guess it's just experimenting, isn't it? People like looking for the holy grail of a, a sound that they can manipulate or work with to make yeah. their own signature sound. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's so. So from harmonica sound, I think just finishing off with that subject yeah. is centering the sound, and 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 um, if, if you work on your acoustic sound, and then everything acoustic, else yeah. will, will work out from there. I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, slowly, you slowly build in, get work up to it. I think, as you say. So we're going to move on smartly onto our our big topic of the great, wonderful howling wolf. Yeah. Now, what's your what's your take on Howling Wolf? I think he's an absolute master. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's he's very good. It's very good. Um, he's an amazing character. But from I don't know much about him to be honest. I know some of the tunes he did, some of the classic tunes, Smokestack Lightning. Um, how many more years is it? How many more? Years oh yes, how many more around? years? Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. classic. That's a Charlie. I think that's a Charlie Patton song that he because he learned his stagecraft a little bit from charlie Patton as an old oh, blues right. oh, guitar yeah. player yeah oh, yes yeah. So yeah. He, yeah so he kind of learned all this sort of being a showman all this kind of like because charlie Patton was well known for being throwing his guitar up in the air and bouncing around um so, he has i think howland wolf has an amazing voice uh, he must yeah. have a fantastic presence a really big guy larger than life guy I think that's what you, I think yeah. you hit the nail on the world. Yeah, larger than life character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, is the real deal. And there's some mm -hmm. really great footage on the internet. Um, there's a great blues documentary. I know you've seen it recently, showing him. And it, there's this one bit yeah. where it shows him actually crawling on stage on all fours in a in a in his suit. I mean, he mm -hmm. he really did live this when he when he did his uh, stuff. And he's he's not mm -hmm. a technical player at all even on his guitar or his harmonica. You're not really a technical player, but it's, with Wolf, it's all about the delivery. And, and a case in point, and our listeners um, over the pond in Canada and States and everything, and some of the European guys won't know, there was a famous band, and this band goes today, but it's not the same band. I'm talking about a band in the early and mid-70s called Dr. Feelgood. And there were two guys that made this band, and it was a guy called Lee Brilo, and uh, who was a vocalist and harp player, and a guitar player who had a particular style called Wilco Johnson. Now, Lee Brilo is, is, is documented as, as his whole persona, his whole way of being was ripped off from Howlin' Wolf, the lot. But, 
and it's the most copied band through that period and through the 80s of, of industrial Britain that people copied. Not Wilco's uh, guitar technique, a lot of them didn't do that, but they did actually copy and they didn't get it what, what Lee Brillo was doing. It was a complete ripoff of Howling Wolf and it's a presence and it's an act and it's a delivery and they, did, they, did, they don't get this. And of course, mm -hmm. um, that was what propelled them. And basically, what was happening was pre-punk. Before the punk era arrived, there it was. Guys that were dressed sort of five, ten years behind the times looked like sort of some form of squaddies on leave. looked odd. It looked odd. It was odd in keeping with what was normal. And for some reason, their presence created with their drive of their form of blues made them a, a huge mm. success. But it mm. all comes back to the fact that I, I think Lee Breeler was about 16 years old, as I understand it, was at the Hammersmith Odeon and he saw Wolf, he must have been with the Rolling Stones or, yeah. or with them, and said that he really thought it was the business in the crumpled suit and comes on and mm. huge guy. And, and, and basically that was his influence that he then yeah. worked yeah. on over a period of years. But it's not yeah. apparent. It's not apparent when you first no. see it. And nobody... Has, has taken that or, or until basically it was pre-punk and of course I think I mentioned to you before I'm not keen on punk I don't really like it but what I do admire I admire the fact that the youth of the day actually found an art form to express themselves in and you know even today I look and think you know when things go wrong where are the youth rebelling come on you know they've got to rebel it's their that's their generation isn't it yeah. you know they, yeah, they, I don't even the rolling you know you know what I'm saying yeah but that's we're thinking about the rolling stones back in the 60s it was all about the, the younger kids kind of like pushing pushing Absolutely. back a little bit on yeah, the, sort yeah, of yeah. the older generation going look at us long hair listen to all these American blues guys we think this is fantastic uh, and it's in its own way that was a sort of rebelling at the time, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And, uh, I, I just is, it, it's it's even mind blowing for me today that these guys like the Stones, everybody got these great black American guys, brought them over, and as you said on another yeah. one, and then said to the world, look, look at this, and then went back to the states, and then got a white middle class audience to to. to to, to elevate them and it, 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 yeah. it's, it's quite it's, it's amazing that that actually yeah that made their doorstep these yeah. yeah these blues guys were, were already there and we kind of like we've sold it back to them their own thing we right. sell it back to them it's brilliant and, and the you've got to, yeah and you've got to admire that they did do that they didn't have to do it they could have no. just picked up some accolades and, and gone their own route but they didn't yeah that's what's that's what you know. I, I take my hat off to them for that, which is which is. Yeah, and, they were. You know. And they also, what was also good, I think they did credit. I mean, all these guy, old guys, Howling Wolf, are still around. I think some of the other guys, Mississippi John Hurt, as you say, they were all still around and yeah. credited to them, which is really important, wasn't it? Especially in this day and age, where people think these days they can just copy stuff, you know, without crediting the original yeah. artists. Yeah, I mean, I saw. Um, I remember watching the 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 band The Who on TV, not their last appearance at uh, Glastonbury, I think it was maybe the time before, but I remember seeing uh, mature guys coming on and doing a, a, um, doing their thing, 
and uh, in front of Glassbury. And my God, they must have all been in their 60s at the time, uh, probably. And uh, Roger and, and uh, all of them came on. Pete Townsend, you know, yeah. Pete Townsend, and they came on, and my God, did they deliver it. And if there was a young guy out there looking to form a band, mm. they, that, there was the message. It was absolutely, mm. A, mm. you know, that they could still produce like that. And I think it was mm -hmm. the time before that I saw it. And it was absolutely, it was all in the delivery. And I'm going back to the Howling Wolf thing. There was there's an mm. element of that in them. It's it just makes that, it interesting. It does. It makes it interesting. interesting. For guys that are just stood on the stage. There's something else yeah. going on besides that yeah. and the music, um, yeah, yeah. but you're not sure what that is. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, good old Mick Jagger. Mick, Mick had it in another way. He sort of, you can see those James Brownisms of him and holding yeah. his hand up, and doing this, strutting his stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but you, it's, it's interesting that they they had the. What, yeah, they had the wherefore to to study it and and to and to develop mm -hmm. it into their thing, and that's that's yeah, credit yeah, to them, yeah. you know. But I mean, um, absolutely, absolutely. But, but yeah, I think but I think that's going back to Howling Wolf. So I think from How Howling Wolf point of view, unwittingly perhaps for lots of people, maybe mm -hmm. he was quite a cornerstone. Maybe he was, you know, on his tours of Europe and everything that the, mm -hmm. the, the, the kids starting out looked at yeah. it. Were inspired, inspired by his yeah, not just, only the playing and the delivery, but also what he was presenting to them, how he was presenting it to the to the people. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, and I think he's, I think on that blues documentary, I think uh, how uh, Sumlin, the his his guitar player, said something. Yeah, to he, the, that Sumlin, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, did, he he did this performance and he did it every single night with as much. He gave a lot every single night of his life. He gave gave everything, mm. you know. Mm. Um, it's the old yeah, story. Was it, was it crawling along and getting yeah, a spoon? Yeah, that's and he's right, doing yeah. spoonfuls. <laughs> <isn't he? laughs> I know. And you think to yourself, you think to yourself, you know, it's a bit like he's playing every gig as if it's the last gig he's ever going to mm. do. So he treats every gig as if it's the last. So if you only ever see him once, my goodness me, you're gonna you're gonna see something. You know, he's not yeah. he's not pacing it, thinking, oh, I've got four shows to do, and I've got a couple of days off, and you know, yeah. he's really delivering it full on. And I, I think that that's. I think, they, I think I think it's a good in some ways it's a good testimony to the quality of the music as well, yes. the actual songs that they were creating. And I think it's funny because if you were probably to try and ask the generation now of what they think, they kind of like all swept along with all these kind of manufactured yeah. band things, like this sort of X Factor thing, where they're trying to create a performance, but they they lose. There's no there's no material. There's no yes, material. They, they've got all the show business. It's the it's the shell without the soul, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. sort of the, the yeah, X and exactly, it's, exactly. It's good that they've got these things, and I think it's important that they're out there and they're another form of um, entertainment, of course. But as you say, I think yeah. they're completely separate things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's can, the difficulty. Yeah, 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 that's definitely right, yeah. So I but think it's, we've, um, it's amazing, yeah. I think we've just about covered everything now, RJ, for today. Yeah, um, that's good, yeah, yeah. Interesting chat. Um, and I'm Absolutely, glad we yeah. helped a few people with uh, the mailbag keeps on coming. So we've hopefully, we've, yeah, yeah, we've got you know they keep on writing us, and hopefully we can help a few more people 
with their domesticity and uh, all the rest of it, and uh, yeah. moving to pastures new, as they say. Yeah. Well, thanks, Archie. Yes. Well, so I was going to say, Harper, we're yes. going to leave us with a word of wisdom, some word of wisdom. For, yes, the words of wisdom uh, people probably, think about. Probably one of uh, Bob Dylan's, I think. Maybe that's a good words of wisdom. Some people feel yeah. the rain, and some people just get wet. I've got one hold on. I've got one Charlie Parker uh, if you don't live it it won't come out your horn I like it, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's another great one that's yeah. okay RJ I think we're done. okay brilliant um, we'll see Please, you next time so yeah, yeah. Catch, you, catch you later and uh, keep on harping as they say fantastic okay cheers then Harpo Cheers. Okay, thanks to RJ and hope this episode's been of use to some people to listen, have a bit of fun. People who want to get into blues harmonica, maybe start up, maybe do things of that nature, or perhaps just listening for other reasons. Stay tuned for more in the series, and you can also go to Harpo the Healer Wix for my YouTube things, and there's lots about blues harmonica and myself playing on there. So remember, stay hip, stay cool, get harping. <laughs>